Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. You can't celebrate 125 years of First Baptist Church history without saying, my help comes from the Lord. Not from man. Not from plans. Not from scheming. No, the help comes from the Lord. That's a better help than any man could ever give you. That's a a better help than any man could ever afford you. If you have your Bibles, I want you to take them and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 8. I only intended on preaching this evening because I thought all of our guests were leaving. Now I feel a little weird. We have these guests here with us. And it feels like I invited them here to hear me preach to you. You probably feel the same. You feel like you're missing out. It's not a typical sermon that we would use. More of just a more of a principle, an application to everything that we've already heard. And then an offering. That's it. Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 8. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Friday night, we were encouraged to remember and rejoice. And Pastor Jones did a fantastic job exhorting us as a church family to remember and rejoice. Remember and rejoice. Remember God's mercy. Remember humility. Remember where God brought us from. Remember these things, but rejoice. And rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. It's Paul saying, You should always be rejoicing in your life. And in case you missed it, rejoice. And I'll tell you one more time, rejoice. And in conclusion, rejoice. And one final note, rejoice. And the conclusion of the conclusion, rejoice. Subpoint three under second heading B under the first, rejoice. That's what he's saying. And we did. We rejoiced on Friday night with many of our friends and family members of First Baptist Church who gathered together downstairs, enjoyed a meal. We remember how the Lord worked in their lives for our good. How God used men in their weaknesses, in their frailties and in even their difficulties for our own good. Saturday night, Pastor Wilkerson encouraged us to exalt Jesus, hear the word, and feel the love. 
This is what a church is supposed to be. Exalt Jesus together. Listen to God's word as it's preached. And then love one another. This is the greatest of all the commandments. In fact, on these commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If you want to understand God's word, love God and love God's people. It's how you interpret, that's the lens for how you interpret the scriptures. And this morning we were encouraged to commemorate several things. And then hats off to the past, but coats off for the future. Whenever we have times like this, where we look back and we remember, you cannot help but notice all the things that have changed. A lot has changed at First Baptist. It's really how you perceive change, right? Change can be perceived as good, but change can also be perceived as bad. Someone can walk up to you and go, wow, you, you changed your hair. Well, what new thing did you do? Well, thank you very much. Thank you for noticing. If somebody can walk up to you and go, oh, you've changed. That's, that's a bad change. A change can sometimes be good, thank you for noticing, and change can sometimes be, be bad. I, well, I, I haven't changed anything at all. You can't help but notice things that have changed inside of the time capsule. I hope you saw this sheet. It had a list of all the things that were taking place or the demographics of the city of Long Beach in 1950. And I think we have this uh, for you on the, on the screen. Maybe they'll get it up here in just a second. Where's, where's Derek at? They're, are they, where are they at? They're about, oh, it's behind me. Okay, good. They had two airlines. Did you see this in the, in the thing? They had two airlines. This one was, was super interesting. Uh, the, where to go? With the population of Long Beach in 1950, 276,000 people were in this city at that time. Well, we've grown a little bit since then, right? Oh, wow, we've changed. That's how some of us feel when we see Brother Wilkerson. Now he's grown a little bit around the waist. It's changed. And lots of things in the city have changed. You know, radios and banks and Man, all kinds of things in our city have changed. And all kinds of things in our church. You walk through and you look at the history of the church and you will see a change that has taken place inside of even our own church. Not just inside of the city, but inside of the church. The change has happened inside of the church partly because of the change that's happened inside of the city. A church rightly ministering in its city will reflect the demographics of its city, of the people that it's trying to reach. Our church looks like our city. Our church looked like our city in 1950. Our church looks like our city even right now. And should the Lord Terry is coming a hundred years from now, First Baptist Church will look like the city of Long Beach then. That's the way it's supposed to be. So God intended it for it to be. In the last 125 years, lots of things have changed. Even the last hundred years, a lot of things, even in 50 years, a lot of things have changed. 
We can, we can even shorten it, can't we? I mean, 20 years ago, certain things were happening in the church, certain people in the church. 10 years ago, certain things, certain people. Five years ago, now here we are today. Man, how, my, how things have changed. A lot has changed in 125 years. But as you look through those time capsules, what you will realize, and as you read through God's Word, what you will realize is, wow, there is a lot of change that has happened in our world. The greatest things have not changed. You see, the great things never change. That's what Isaiah 40, verse 8 is saying. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Paint changes. Cultures change. Pastors change. Congregations change. Demographics of a city change. Structures change. Buildings rise. Buildings fall. But the word of our God abideth forever, he says. Some things don't change. The great things never change. When carpet changes, people change, pastors change. But what are those great things that never change? It's truly what we all long for. We all long, we all desire to have something in our life that never changes. It's what we all want. It's, it's our comfort zone. We all, we all want to, we're all trying to find some sort of stability, some sort of security in our life, some sort of thing that we can build our lives on that, man, should the earth quake and should the ground shake, this thing will, will, will remain, right? And this is really what we're all looking for, it's what we're all after. If someone tries to find it in money, someone tries to find it in popularity, some try to find it in beauty, some try to find it in relationship, all these things in the end are sand. And if you build your house on them, they shake, they crumble. The best of marriages fall apart. The best of jobs you get fired from. The best of communities and cultures degrade and change and structurally things. Right? We all understand this. You've lived long enough to know you cannot build your life on sand. You can't, build, you can't build any hope for security on that. You need something more sure. You need a rock that you can build your life on, that you can build your future on, that you can hold on to when the storms come, because certainly the storms do come. That's what we all want. Most of the time what we do is we look for that sort of security in someone. This isn't new. We, we try to find some sort of security in someone, which is what's happening in the church at Corinth, which is why Paul has to write to the church and say, some plant, some water. Remember that? And everybody's, everybody's choosing which one they like. Everyone picking sides, some plant, some water. And, and, and instead of evaluating the, the planter or the waterer, 
Instead of going, well, I really liked this about that, and I really liked this about them, and I really enjoyed these things. Listen, it's some plant and some water. Paul is saying we should be thankful for the men that God has brought into our lives who have for a season planted or watered accordingly. That's what we've tried to do this evening. That's what we've tried to do this weekend. Try to be thankful for the men that God has woven through this ministry who have at times planted and at times watered and at times shown compassion and at times given uh, exhortation, at times given stern rebukes. But, but some plant, some, some watered. And, and instead of going, well, I like this and that and this and these, instead of doing this, couldn't we be thankful that there are men who have served us as a church family, who have gone out from us and have maintained a testimony in such a way that we can actually have them back? Can we be thankful that there have been men who've served, who've preached, who've walked with integrity, but then went out from us and are still serving and still preaching and still walking with integrity and doing it in a way that we can still bring them back and go, thank you for the planting and thank you for the watering and thank you for the serving that you've done. Whether they planted or watered for 10 years, whether they planted or watered for 20 years, or whether they planted or watered for five years, or whether they planted or watered for one year, it is God that gives the increase. It's God that gives the increase. Some plant, some water, but all the increase that has happened in your life all the spiritual growth that has, done in, has been done in your heart has happened because of God and God alone. Certainly God uses vessels. Certainly God uses men. Certainly God uses churches. Certainly God uses pastors. Certainly God uses soul winners. That is absolutely true. But in the end, it is God doing the work and God simply choosing vessels that he will use to do the work that he's already intended on doing. This is, a, this is a wonderful thought if you really think of it. God intends to do a work and he invites you and me into the work that he is intending to do. God is going, I am going to save souls and I am going to get praise from all the languages of all the nations and every tongue will sing about me in the end. I will bring a people to myself. I will redeem them unto myself. Now, here's the thing. Do you want to be a part of that? Because I'm doing that and you can get in on it. See, this is really all of our roles. This is all, what all of us get to be a part of. To get to be a part of what God is doing. It's not you doing it. It's not me doing it. It's simply God doing it. Being a part of an old church is a great reminder of this truth. Being a part of an old church is a great reminder that the valuable things, the great things, are old things that never change. God is still holy and merciful. 
Man is still fallen and perishing. Christ is still ruling and saving. The Holy Spirit is still omnipotent and faith-creating. The Bible is still true and relevant. The gospel is still the power of God unto salvation for anyone that will believe. For anyone that will believe. I say it again, it's a tremendous thing to build your life on the greatest realities that never change. I, I, I think there are three. There's more, but I think there's three for us tonight. In God's Word, we are a church that is not built on a denomination. We are a church that is not built on a tradition. We are a church that is not built on popular opinion. We are a church that is built on God's Word. Inside of the time capsule, there was a small black Bible. You probably saw it inside of the display. Inside of the cover of that Bible was this message. It said, the Bible is, this Bible is placed in the cornerstone because our church is founded on the Word. And our pulpit is a Bible-centered pulpit. Well, that, that summarizes it pretty good, don't you think? We're putting this in the, in the cornerstone to be a reminder to all future generations that this church is built on God's Word. This pulpit is a Bible-centered pulpit. That's what it stands for. That's what it represents. That's why it stands in the center of the platform. That's why it's not set off to the side. Why? Because we believe the preaching of God's Word to be centered. Because if we're just getting together to hear what I have to say, I don't have near enough to say that's of any sort of value for you this week. Oh, but the Word of God, it is all you need for life and for godliness, Peter says. Everything you need to know about your day tomorrow, everything you need to know about the way God is working and moving and guiding in your life, everything you need to know about how to handle those children, how to deal with those problems at work, everything you need to know about what you should do to handle a problem inside of the church, everything you need to know about what to do with your money, God has written for us in his word. Everything you need to know for life and godliness is found in the word of God. The fact is, denominations change. We used to be a part of one. and changed. The fact is, cultures change. Opinions change. But God's Word never changes. And because God's Word has been that foundation in our church, when the winds of adversity come, when the winds of, inversi of adversity came, when criticism arose, and when criticism arises, and it's blown hard against the church. The congregation 
did not fall. Do you know why it didn't fall? And not because they were perfect people, they weren't. Not because they had a perfect pastor, he wasn't. Because they had built their lives on the word of God. See, if all the Bible preaching that you get, if all the Bible you get throughout the week is 45 minutes on Sunday morning, that's not near enough. That's not near enough. No, 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 you need God's Word in your life every day. Paul told Timothy, preach the Word. The verses he, that, the verses he had made clear, the verses he wrote earlier made clear what the Word was. The Word was the Scriptures which were inspired by God. The words of the Bible matter because they're the words of God. This is, what, this is why we don't think you should change them. This is why we don't think you should alter them. Why? Because these words matter. These words matter because these are the words of God that he inspired through holy men of old as they wrote and then he preserved for you and for me. This is why we preach the Bible the way that we do here at First Baptist. This is why we teach the Bible the way that we do. Here, next chapter, next verse. It's why we teach and preach that way. Well, why? Because these words matter. Every one of them matter. And when we preach and teach God's word in that way, it holds us as pastors and teachers and preachers, it holds us accountable to God's word. How many of you know that there are some places in the Bible that I'd rather skip over than read through, right? There are some passages, oh, it's a little awkward to talk about. I don't want to deal with these issues. And I know sister so-and-so was doing this and brother so-and-so was doing I'll just skip over that. We'll just go on to the other stuff. It holds us accountable. It holds us as pastors and teachers and leaders. It holds us accountable to you as a congregation to say we will be held accountable to God's word because this is the word of God given for you and for me. And we desire to build our church on it. When you build your lives on God's word, they can withstand any sort of adversity that comes. Paul's conscience was clear as he left the church at Ephesus. Acts chapter 20, verse 27, he said, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. This ought to be the goal of every pastor. Ought to be the goal of every Sunday school teacher. Ought to be the goal of every bus captain. Ought to be the goal of every school teacher. This ought to be the goal that I have not shunned to declare unto you. I have not pulled back at all to preach and teach to you Every word of God. I didn't pull back because it was uncomfortable. I didn't pull back because the culture didn't like it. I didn't pull back because of other party groups inside of the... I didn't pull back because I knew this one guy did this one thing. He was going to get mad at this one time. No, no, I'm not. I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. It's my goal. I hope God gives it to me. I really hope he does. When my time as pastor of this church comes to an end, I hope to be able to say, I have not shunned to preach the whole counsel of God. 
So, Pastor, how long will that take? Well, at the current rate, quite a while. <laughs> we might have to take a couple books at one time. It's what we've desired to do. It's what we try to do. It's what we strive to do. Still preaching through the book of Psalms. We started that my first summer here. Amen. The book of Joshua, we've covered it. The book of Matthew, we've been through it. The book of Galatians, we've gone cover to cover. Now, man, now venturing into difficult territory into the book of Romans. We got some emails on that one. I just deleted them, don't worry. You're still walking through the book of Exodus. And I promised Miss Doris that before her time on earth ends, we're going to the book of Revelation, okay? I'm going to cover it for you, okay? I think the reason that God has blessed First Baptist Church 125 years is because it has been a church dedicated to proclaiming the unchanging truth of God's word. And if God will bless this church for another 125 years, it's because there will be a group of people who say, give us God's word. So one thing I loved about listening to the testimonies that we did, several of our folks said, you know, Pastor, what we can count on and what we have been able to count on in this church is that God's man stands and gives God's word. And Brother McKinley said, in particular, he said, you know, sometimes people... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embarrass him right now. He says, sometimes people feel like, I don't know, I'm not the most friendly guy in the church. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So I just come in, I sit in my seat, listen. He said, because you know what? I'm not coming here for fellowship. It's good, but that's not why I'm coming here. I'm not coming here for the music. It's good, but that's not why I come here. I'm coming here because I know when I come here, I'll hear God's word. May God give us more men like that. Just, just give me the word of God. We say things like, well, over 125 years, the church grew. When this pastor came, the church started growing. When that pastor came, the church started shrinking. We say things like the church grew, the church got bigger. You know, the Bible doesn't ever talk in terms of like that. You don't find that kind of language in the Bible. In fact, what you'll find in the Bible, in the book of Acts, it says, and the word grew. The word was spread. Not the church, the word. There are thousands of churches where God's word is not preached. Where the Bible is not explained. Where, where, where someone comes in, they can't walk through a basic understanding of God's word. Where someone does not show them the great realities of the glorious message of our wonderful Savior. It's God's word that has not changed. Second, 
It's the sacrificial giving of God's people that have not changed. Our people for 125 years have shown a passion for doing the will of God. For, for, for wanting to do what God is leading us as a congregation to do. And not just shown a passion for doing God's will, but actually showing, have shown a willingness to make whatever sacrifice necessary in order for God's will to be done. Inside the time capsule, you'll see a note like this one behind me. It's in the very back as we were flipping through the, the, the section that was the written history of the church. It was in the very back. It was on a very small piece of paper. It looked like it had been cut out intentionally. It was completely separate from all of the other paper. Almost like someone went back and added it later. And the, uh, the note reads, Due to the energy and the sacrifice of Dr. F.B. Ives and Professor R.H. Tripp, apparently back then you only went by the first two letters of your name. So I would be Pastor D.B. Delaney. Sounds pretty cool. According to the energy and the sacrifice of Dr. Ives and Professor Tripp, and a gift of $1,000 from the House Missionary Society, the church was able to secure the property mentioned. You see what we're doing? You see what we're a part of? See, we, we, we just, which is another link in a very long chain. Reaching into our wallets, purses, pockets this evening and saying, Lord, here is my offering. Here is my sacrifice. Here is what I am willing to do. And I, and I actually, actually love how the note reads, due to the energy and the sacrifice of these two men. And then a gift. Because some come in and they go, oh, I mean, I would give, I just, I'm straddled, I mean, money, I'm just barely making it. And don't you know how much rent is in this city? Yes, I do, just so you know. But to, due to the energy and sacrifice and gift. You see, some in the room can give a big gift, and you ought to. But some in the room can't give a big gift. But let me tell you what you still can do. You can still sacrifice. And what you still can do is you can still give your energy and talent and time to the work of the Lord. So we can all give. We can all Give. You are never more like God than when you are doing two things. When you are giving and forgiving. You are never more like God than when you are doing those two things. When you are giving because it is better to give than to, what is it? Do we believe that though? Do we, do we, really, do we really think that? It's better for it to go out than for it to come in. 
It's better for me to take it out of my pocket and give it to someone in need than it is for me to take it from someone and stick it into my pocket. It's better for me to give than to receive. The sacrificial giving of God's people. It's not just this. We could, we could talk about others. We could talk about the nights of sacrifice that Pastor Wilkerson uh, mentioned. Many of you will remember, I, was, I just get to hear of the stories of when all the debt was piling up. How many remember the debt piling up? And what did we do? We gave. We gave. And can you outgive God? I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. And Pastor Jones came and began what we will do this evening, the, the greater things offering. Just here's the needs. Someone asked me earlier, they said, Pastor, you haven't talked a lot about the greater things offering. And I told you when I launched it, I wasn't going to spend all kinds of time on it. I told you what the needs were. I set before you what I think we ought to do as a church. Now, do what the Lord tells you in your heart to do. And do what God tells you to do. When your heart is right with God, your wallet will be right with God. It's the way it goes. And if I have to stand up here and get all kinds of sad stories and look at this little child, don't you want them to have a place to play? They're getting ran over in the parking lot. If I have to do that, then it's not going to work. But according as, you purpose, according as you purpose in your heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. No, God loves a cheerful, cheerful giver. So here's what we're trying to do. Here's what we want to do. We want you to be a part of it. It's better for you to give to it than to keep it, I promise you. We do not give to God because God is desperate. We don't give to God because funds are running short in heaven. God lined street with gold as a way to help us understand he does not need our money. If God owns a, thaddle, a cattle on a thousand hills and he owns the hills that those cattle graze on, then what's my 10% inside of all of that? Listen, God will take care of us. We don't give because we as a church, oh man, if we don't get some money, we won't. No, no, God will take care of First Baptist Church. This is for your good. This is for your good. As members of this church, this is for our good. Now God's word hasn't changed. Sacrificial giving of God's people hasn't changed. Third and last and certainly the most urgent. We have been a people who have desired to share the gospel all over the globe. We deal with the urgency to share the gospel with as many people as we possibly can, as soon as we possibly can. It's what drives us. It's what wakes us up. It's why we gather together. Give us the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's watch it be God's power in changing someone's life. I think we're aware of this probably more than most churches 
You know, people move into the city, they stay here for a while, then they move out of the city. Met a couple this morning that were here from Germany. How many of you met that couple that sat back here right toward where John was sitting this morning? They, they, they're visiting from Germany. The thing about moving to the city. A very strong German accent. All I know in German is Bratwurst, Volkswagen. <laughs> That's it. I'm like, oh yeah, I know about Volkswagen. He just looked at me like, I don't, what are you talking about? Sharpen up on my German before next week. He's looking to move to the city for a little while, wants to go to school. Then wants to go back to Germany. They're, they're here for a small time. They're here for a little season. I remember young and lingling. How many remember Young and Lingley? She came to go to school. She worked over here at St. Mary's. I'll never forget when they walked in the back door. I thought they were teenagers. I told Brother Michael, I don't think Derek was here yet, but I told Michael, I said, Michael, there's two visiting teenagers. Go talk to them. He goes over, he talks to me, he comes back. He's like, they're not teenagers, they're married. <laughs> they look like they're 12. They're here for just a little time, just a small time here for just for a season just to get an education, have some residency at the hospital, and then back to Singapore they go. He emailed me a couple weeks ago. He'd heard about Brother Bumakad. He emailed me, wanted me to pass my condolences from them to him. He wrote me about anniversary Sunday. He said he was praying for us today. Amen. It's just, just a small window. It's just a little time. I think, I think we sense that more than most churches sense. I think we experience that more than most churches experience. Which creates the urgency to give the gospel and to teach God's word. It's what makes giving the gospel in every service such a necessity. Because that might be the only service that they are in. This might be the only gospel witness that they hear. So we strive to give the gospel every time we stand and give God's word. We try to lead people to the cross. That's what Spurgeon told his students, stand, read your text, and then run straight to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We strive to do. And then in giving the gospel, see them grow in their understanding of the gospel. Why? Because it's back off to Italy in the month of September. That's why. Because it's down, back down to Mexico. It's across the sea to Singapore. It's back over to Germany. It's back to the UK or the, the southern part of Africa or to Ethiopia or wherever it is could truly be said the sun never sets on the ministry of First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Here's a letter from 1950 from one of our missionaries at the time. They were working in China. They would, they would spend 30 years of ministry in China. At the writing of the letter, they had been there for 25 years. 
And First Baptist Church had supported them as a missionary for 25 years. Inside of the letter it reads, No missionary should have to work for 30 years without a mission home with which to invite his friends. Derek and Michael went through this letter today. They said, Pastor, it's unbelievable. They said, you, you just read what was happening at the time in China. Planes were flying over. It was flying down. Bullets were dropping. Bombs were going off everywhere. And they wanted to go out and give the gospel in China. But they were, they were under such threat for their very existence that they were, hopefully, the letter begins, hopefully today we can get this letter off if there are no air raids this, this, on this day. Supporting missionaries is not new for us. It's not something we just came up with. This is something we've done for a long time. Why? Because we believe in getting the gospel all around the globe. Shame on us, church, if we get the gospel to Singapore and Italy and Germany and Ethiopia and the southern part of Africa, if we get the gospel all the way to China, shame on us if we get the gospel there, but we won't walk across the street. And we won't give it to our neighbors. And we won't tell our co-workers. And we won't witness to our own family. It is truly only the gospel that has the power to change someone's life. The church was very helpful for you. It was very helpful for me. But the church is not what changed your life. The gospel of Jesus Christ changed your life. The church was a vehicle through which God decided to use in order to do that. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. I thank God for every Bible preaching and Bible believing church in, in the entire world. But it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that flexed his muscles on behalf of your sin. And that provided a way for you and me to get back to God. Because we were the enemies of God. We ran from him. All we like sheep had gone astray. We turned everyone to his own way. But listen, the Lord laid on him. On the Lord Jesus Christ. God laid on Jesus Christ all of our sin. And he died on the cross in our place. And this is the greatest news of them all. They put him in a grave and three days later he resurrected from the grave. Literally, physically walked out of the tomb. Beating death, hell, and the grave. And then he says to all of us who had rebelled against him. He says to you and to me. Believe and thou shalt be saved. Well, you know, I hear Brother Vargo talk about all these boys and girls who accepted Jesus as their Savior. How many of them really meant it? You ever hear somebody talk like that? Well, how many of them really meant it? I mean, what do they really have to know? You think they knew enough? Well, here's what, here's what the Bible says. Here's all you need to know. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. That's all you have to know. Is who the Lord Jesus Christ is and what he did on your behalf. If you're here this evening you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, this is our prayer for you. That you might this very evening believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And Pastor, I got some stuff in my life. Watch. 
How many of you have some things in your life that you aren't super proud of? Let me see. Slip your hand up. Scoot, scoot away from the person who's next to you because they just raised your hand. Ladies, grab your purses. There's some really bad people in this room. So what I love about the testimony time, I'm going to embarrass Brother Johnny now. Brother Johnny, in his testimony video, he said, I, I was away from the Lord. I was living, a, you know, living on the streets, living this gang life. He went to some detail of things that I'll, I'll avoid for his sake. He said, Pastor, when, when everybody walked out of my life, the Lord Jesus walked in. He said, I used to ride my bike by the church, and I thought, why not? I'm going to try to go to church. I've tried everything else. I'm going to try to go to church. He said he walked in, the first door, walked in the, these front doors, rolling his bicycle through the front doors, wearing his Dodger hat. He still does that. <laughs> he walked in these front doors. Brother Gordon Miller was the first one that met him at the door. Amen. Embraced him. He said, you're welcome here. He didn't look like any of us look. He didn't talk like any of us talked. Came walking in, sat down, heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and gave his heart to Jesus that day. After the, after the video time, I said, man, Brother Johnny, your, video, your, your, your testimony is you went from a gangster. Many of you don't know this, but one of the reasons why the grass here at church is green and not brown is because Brother Johnny. He goes out there two, three days, sometimes three days a week, sometimes four days a week, goes out there, waters, make sure it gets all the, the you know, the, I don't even know what you do to it. He like jabs it with a spear. I don't know what he's doing to it. You know, they're watering, he's cutting it, he's cleaning it up. He's bringing us some of the items that he found in, behind the steeple. <laughs> He's taking care of it, trimming it up. I said, Brother Johnny, you went from a gangster to a gardener. <laughs> the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I like that, Pastor. I'm going to get that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> from a gangster to a gardener for Jesus. You know, you know, what, you know why that happened? You know why that happened? Because there's a group of people who said, we just want to build our lives on God's word. It never changes. We want to give sacrificially as God leads us to give in order to accomplish his purpose. And we want to make sure that the gospel goes out to as many people as we can possibly give the gospel to while we have the opportunity to do. The most valuable things, the best things, are the old things because they never change. The old things are the greatest things and the greatest things never change. There's one exception to that. The individual people are brand new. They were never there before then they are there again. But anything of lasting significance that happens in a new person's life comes from living old truths. I love seeing our playground full of boys and girls. 
I don't love seeing our playground because I like how it makes the aesthetics of the church look. I love seeing the playground because of what the playground represents. Because of what it represents. There are all kinds of new young lives playing and enjoying and learning and growing in old truths. Building their lives on the word of God. Which never fades away. See, people can run from God. People can try to ignore God. But God compares his word to seed. It's a seed that goes into your heart. And like a seed, sometimes it just takes time to bring fruit. It just takes some time to bring fruit. That's what happens sometimes boys and girls grow up in church and they get out of church and they run as far from God as they can. Just give the seed time. Just give it time. You just keep praying and you keep loving and you keep preaching and you keep preaching and God will take care of everything else. 